as a church, there's kind of a journey that, that we can take as a congregation. Uh, part of that journey can be simply that we attend each Sunday, we tithe, we maybe volunteer, and then, and, and that's great. But then there's another step, which is just church membership. And, and the cool thing with, with church membership is it's you going, man, I, I want to be a part of this community. And, and, and I want this community to, to walk alongside of me and help me and, and journey with me and speak into my life. And, and today we have the privilege of welcome, welcoming two couples into our membership, which is pretty cool. Some of you have a long time history here, and, and it's, it's cool when we invite new members in. If you're ever interested in membership, please do not hesitate to talk to me or to Glenn or to one of the council members. Uh, we would love for you to, to be a part of our church as we, as we look to the future. Let me pray. God, thank you for this great gift of having two couples join us. Not that there's something uh, amazing with membership, but we just deeply appreciate their commitment to what you're doing in and through Daybreak. We're excited for the future, what you're calling us to. And God, we know that we will need lots and lots of people. That it's not done by one person, it's not done by a staff, it's done by an entire community. We thank you for this community here at Daybreak. We ask all this in your name. Amen. If you've missed the uh, the last couple of weeks, let me review where we've been. We started with this premise of looking at some of the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said there's two distinctly different roads. He talked about one road, which is very broad. It's the wide road. He said that's where most people are. Many people travel on that road. The bad news is that the wide road, where most people are, that road, Jesus said, leads to destruction. We can tag whatever word we want with destruction. It leads to emptiness. It leads to uh, frustration. For our purposes, we said that's that's where normal people are. Normal people in this world, that's where they travel. Jesus said, though, there's this second road. It's a, it's a narrow road. The good news is that this road leads to life. And Jesus then tagged it with John 10.10, which says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, that you may have it complete. Many of you, you're traveling on the broad road. Maybe you're looking out of your peripheral vision and you're seeing the narrow road, some of you are starting to have the courage to say, I want to follow Jesus in a different way. The broad road people, maybe when you uttered those words, started to call you different. But we talked about this last week, you don't care. Because when we think of normal, we think normal in this world is broke, normal is overwhelmed, normal is spiritually bankrupt, normal is anything that you don't want it to be that's normal. But when you're led by the Spirit of God, different is much better, and we said normal isn't working. Now, today I want to talk to you about different desires, 
Because it's so normal for you to give into your normal and natural desires. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand. I know we're in a church and we need to be honest. Just in your head, raise your hand. How many of you have ever felt like saying something? Or felt like doing that thing that you were thinking in your head and you did it and you regretted it? It's so natural for us to give into our normal desires. Normal people do it all the time. I was standing in Seton, in the community of Seton, at uh, Popeye's, holding my ticket that said a certain number on it, and suddenly the person that had the number past mine got their food. And suddenly the next person, the next person, the next person, the next person, I started to look at my watch. Michelle, lovely Michelle, looked at me and said, take a deep breath, Matt. I said, I'm, I'm okay. Ten minutes went by. Fifteen minutes went by. I could feel inside of me starting to, to boil. And I snapped. Because <laughs> that's what normal people do. You give in to your normal desires. We said this, if you want what normal people have... You should do what normal people do. But if on the other hand, you want what few people have, you should do what few people do. We've said it's time to be different because it's normal to give into our selfish desires, our lower desires. You see it all through the Bible. Do you remember Adam and Eve? You can have anything in the garden. Just don't eat the fruit of that one tree. The serpent comes up and says, Eve, isn't it beautiful? Don't you want it? And so what did Eve do? She gave into her natural desires. Let's fast track a few more chapters. How about Moses? Moses gets upset at an Egyptian. Well, let's go a few books later. King David, he sees Bathsheba. Another man's wife, he gave into his own desires because quite honestly, that's what normal people do. For you, it might be that you get angry and explode. It might be that you're hungry and you eat and you eat and you eat. It might be that you give into your sexual desires. Whatever it is, that's what normal people do. The Bible talks about this pretty directly in 1 John chapter Two. It'll be on the screen. It lists three normal desires that normal people have for everything in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. For some of you, you might remember this verse from the King James translation. It says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The New Living Translation, I'm actually going to have it on the screen behind me, says this, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure or a craving for the lust of the flesh. It says, I want to have fun. If it feels good, I want to enjoy my life. The world offers a craving for what else? For everything that you and I see. The lust of our eyes. 
You know it. I don't have one of those. I got to get one of those. I need those things to make me happy. The interesting one in this little verse from 1 John is it talks about pride. Pride in our achievements, our possessions. All of us have these natural desires. We want things to make us feel good, to make us happy, to give us meaning. We want what we think will make us successful. We want material things. We have all of those natural desires. But the, the Bible says clearly those aren't from the Father. They're of this world. They'll fade away the things that the world craves. Remember that end of that verse? The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So, so today I want to do something for you. We're going to talk about here's the desires normal people have, and then we're going to talk about here's the desires different people have. Okay, so here's the first one, normal people. Normal people. And I'm a normal person, okay? So this is not me talking at you. This is me talking with you, okay? Normal people want what they want now, not later. See, you and I live in this instant gratification. I want what I want, and I want it now. In fact, we see a great example of this in a story that's very familiar to us. Jesus told us about a father that had two sons. In Luke 15, verse 12, it'll be behind me. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me. Not in a nice way, not in a conversation way. Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. See, that's what we see all through our life today. Normal people give in to their desires. I want what I want and I want it now. It could be that someone has ice cream and it's in their refrigerator, their freezer. And they know that that ice cream is for dessert later on. But I want it now. It could be that you're mad at your boss. Your boss hurt your feelings. Maybe you were overlooked. So guess what we do? We pound out an email. We hit send and then we're fired later. But we wanted to do it now because that's what normal people do. Normal people want what they want and they want it now, so we give in to our lower and natural desires. Here's the second thought, and I actually would love for you at some point to go listen to this message by Andy Stanley. He taught a whole message on this, this little subject about Esau and Jacob. So let me, let me use a little bit of his teaching and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna add some stuff to it. Here's the second thing. So normal people often trade the ultimate for the immediate. The greatness of the future for the immediacy of right now. In fact, there's a story, and you're gonna, some of you will remember this story from Sunday school. It, this story illustrates it better than any other story. There's two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the older brother, and he was kind of a man's man. Jacob was the younger brother, and he was kind of a mama's boy. If you know, in biblical times, the oldest son would have gotten the birthright. In other words, just because they were born first, 
they have a tremendous advantage. Some of you are going, that's the same in my family. We'll not talk about that now. We can talk about that later. Whenever the father would die, the son with the birthright, okay, the firstborn son, would get a double portion of the inheritance. And after the father would die, that son would rise into the position of power, kind of like the executor of the estate or the judge of the family. And Esau, the older brother, had this, and Jacob, the younger brother, was jealous. So one day, Esau was out. Maybe he was on a hunting trip. Maybe he was doing something else. He came home hungry. Jacob was in the kitchen making soup. Jacob went and tricked his older brother into giving him his birthright. We're going to show you a few verses here. Genesis 25, verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Verse 32, look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? Now, I'm no biblical scholar. But do you think that he was about to die? He wasn't about to die. At that moment, he felt like he was. And I think sometimes at moments like that, we get irrational. Some of you, if we don't eat by noon, you're not a good church member. So Esau says this, I'm going to die. I'm starving. And then he gets asked this question that seems rather foolish. Esau said, what good is the birthright to me? I'm so hungry. I've got this need. I really desire that bowl of stew. What good is this birthright to me? Then Esau, the older brother, does something we'd all say is so foolish. How in the world could anyone be so short-sighted, so foolish? Because what he did was he traded his birthright, the ultimate, for the immediate. And the immediate was a bowl of stew. And what, would, and what do we do? We look and say this, who would be so foolish to trade their birthright for a bowl of stew? The answer is, normal people do that every day. Every day, people are stupid enough to trade the ultimate for the immediate and its distorted desire. I promise you, if we sat in silence just for a minute, you could think of someone who derailed their life with a desire that went unchecked, unmanaged, and they ultimately did something stupid. What happened? They locked in for a moment on this desire, and they forgot everything else mattered. Because at that moment, that bowl of stew was so important, and that's what normal people do all the time. It could be a young girl who just feels like the clothes I get, they make me happy. And so she goes, gets a belt to go with the shoes that matches the hair clip. She buys more and more and sinks into debt and wakes up one day $37,000 in debt. And she says, how in the world did I get here? And she did it one bowl of stew at a time. 
It could be the man that really loves his wife, loves his children, loves God, but in the moment that he's looking on his computer and he's one click away from something lustful that's going to feed his lustful desires. In that moment, he focuses in on the stew and he forgets that he has a great love for his wife and his family. He forgets that he loves his God dearly. And at that moment, he trades the ultimate for the immediate. Something as stupid as a bowl of soup. It could be a young girl. She really wants a godly husband. She wants to be loved. And she wants to love. She meets a guy. He's a pretty good guy. She says, I love you to him. And he says, I love you to her. And then he says, but if you really love me, you would. She doesn't want to because she wants to try to please God, but she really wants to be loved, and so she does. She trades the ultimate for the immediate. He dumps her. She feels used because she traded something that mattered for a stupid bowl of soup. Friends, it happens all the time. Normal people do it all the time. Men really love their families. They want to be a good dad, so they say, I'm going to love my family by being a great provider. So what do they do? They go after the pride of life, the accomplishments. It's like, I'm going to give them more than I ever had. They work hard. They rise the corporate ladder. They make more money. They get their family a bigger home and nicer cars. Then one day they wake up. And their children are 24 and 27 and 29 and they realize they don't even know their kids. And their kids don't know them and they realize, how could I have been so misguided? I traded the ultimate for the immediate. I traded relationships for accomplishments. It's that stupid bowl of stew. Who would be so dumb to trade their birthright for a bowl of stew? The answer is normal people do it every day. That's what I want to ask you, and I pray you'd be honest enough to be truthful and search your heart. What's your bowl of stew? What is your desires or desires that if left unchecked or unmanaged out of from the direction of the Holy Spirit could take you into a place where you literally short-circuit God's long-term plan for something as simple as a bowl of stew. It could be control. I know some people who have to control everything and they're pushing away their husband because they have to be in control and pushing away their kids because they have to be in control and they're sacrificing the ultimate for the immediate. Friends, it could be popularity. You want so much to be like that you're walking away from God, what God wants from you. You're trading the ultimate for the immediate. For friends who won't even be there five years from now. Friends, what's your bowl of stew? Because we all have one. The desires, if left unchecked and unmanaged, could lead us to compromise what matters most for something that doesn't really matter at all. Remember what we've said. Normal people. They want what they want now, not later. And they're willing to trade the ultimate for the immediate. Different people. They're very different. They live different values. Let me show you what different people are. Different people, the very first one, different people know that later is often better than now. 
The author in Proverbs said this in Proverbs 16.32, better a patient person than a warrior. Get the image of that in your head. A warrior rushing out to fight. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes an entire city. In other words, God may say this to you. I don't mind you having a bowl of stew, but don't sell your birthright for it. (laughs) Get the bowl of stew later, not now. Different people know that later is often better than now. Different people are willing to give up something they want for something they want even more later. Especially the emerging generation, those of you that are in your 20s. You've been trained to get whatever you want now. You need to understand there is power in waiting and doing the things in God's timing and in His way. Instead, you have a tendency to trade the immediate for the ultimate. I want us all to understand this, that later is often better than now. Financially, what's normal? We said normal is broke. It's normal is debt. Different people know that later is often better than now when it comes to finances. In fact, in college in Minnesota, I had a very wealthy professor who taught business classes just for fun. He said, what's the number one best piece? I asked him, what's the number one best piece of financial advice you'd give me to build wealth, you know, as a 20-year-old? He said that most people, they buy liabilities now. Wealthy people buy assets first and liabilities later. Of course, at 20, what's an asset? Something that goes up in value. Something that could produce income, he said. Give me an example, I said. He said a rental income, a rental property. But take sex. Move it away from money. Take sex. What does the world say? The world says, get it. Get it right now. If it feels good, why wait? Get going. Here's what different people do. Different people look at what God said because God said later is better than now. I know this kid. He's a virgin. He was tempted to look at some things on his iPhone, on his computer that would lead him towards sexual sin. So let me tell you what this different kid did, a kid that I teach at Ambrose. He gave his iPhone away, he took his computer up to the second story of his house, and he threw it out. And he hands in his papers simply by pen and ink. That's different. And here's the deal. He knew that he didn't want to trade the immediate for the ultimate. He was willing to say, I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of the ultimate. I want to please God. Different people, they know that now, that they know that later is better than now. Here's the second one. Different people, they seek God until his desires, God's desires become their desires. I love this little verse that David penned. Remember David looking at Bathsheba? Take delight in the Lord, Psalm 37, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In your mind, you might want to make a mental note with that word delight. That word delight actually comes from the word anag. Anag is simply delight. 
Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Enjoy. Seek. If you enjoy and seek God, you will have delight. It means if you're seeking, if you're enjoying, if you're delighting, you'll always be soft. You'll always be pliable. In other words, imagine you're a hard rock of clay and God is the potter. As you seek Him, God says, let me pour some water on you. And you're like, ah, oh, water, I enjoyed this. And the water makes you soft and pliable and then the potter forms you into clay into exactly what he wants. That's what happens when you seek God. I'm telling you, some of you, you're seeking nothing but that stupid bowl of stew. Just call it what it is. It's just stew. Seek God, open up his word, become passionate about his kingdom. He'll change you. And all of a sudden, God molds your heart and he gives you his desires. His desires become your desires. You no longer desire the low things of the world because God's transforming you. You're different. You're not living what everyone else is living for. Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia. He said this, So I walk by the Spirit... And I will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're always in conflict. They're in a tug-of-war with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. The sinful desire, nature, wants to do evil, which is opposite to what the Holy Spirit wants. And what does the Spirit do? He gives us the desires that are what? They are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. This is so powerful, friends. When we leave the normal, the broad path, and we get on the narrow path that leads to life, the Holy Spirit will change your heart. And all of a sudden, rather than wanting the things of this world, the flesh, the empty things that don't last, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Instead, all your focus is is to glorify God. You start desiring to be generous, to forgive, to bless people, to go that extra mile, to worship God, to do all the things that normal people do because God is changing your desires. See, the problem, though, is I guarantee the closer that you get to God, Satan will continually offer you that bowl of stew. And if you're not prepared, you may compromise all the blessing of what God wants to give you in the future for something as temporary, as meaningless, as a bowl of stew. That's exactly what Esau did. Think about this, and we're getting ready to end here. Pay attention to just this next little section. What did we say for decades and decades and centuries and centuries? Christians have said this. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who was Jacob? The younger brother. Who should have it been? Who would have it been? Who could have it been if he hadn't been so short-sighted that he traded his birthright for a bowl of stew? If he had done what was right, 
we would have said to this day, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But because of unchecked desires, Esau traded the ultimate for a small bowl of stew. Who would do that? Normal people do that every day. And that's why at daybreak, we're not going to be normal. We're going to follow Jesus together. We're going to seek him together. We're going to please him together. We're going to be different. And we don't care what anyone thinks because different is way better than normal. Let me pray. God, thank you for the gift of Scripture. Thank you for the way that it speaks to us. God, we count it a great privilege to always open up your word. God, in the next few minutes as we do worship, may we wrestle through the concept of what's our bolus do? What's the thing that so quickly we would give something that's the ultimate for the immediate? May you convict us, not in a punitive way, but may you convict us just so that we're ready. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.